Thanks for joining us for the executive series. And today I'm speaking with Peter Gray, who is a co-founder of Zip. Peter, great to talk to you. Thank you. It's been a while since we've spoken. Sure has. And the arc of the journey for Zip has been quite a, an interesting one over the course of that period. And I suppose you've really uh, experienced the, the highs, the heady highs, and um, some of the lows as far as the BNPL story is concerned. So in terms of where the organization is, is today, um, where do you consider the group to be in, in that narrative? Yeah, we've certainly uh, ridden quite a, a wave and a ride over the last 10 years. It's our 10th birthday coming up in a couple of months. So uh, quite, an, <laughs> uh, quite the milestone. Look, I, I think the business is actually really well placed. I think uh, some of the change that we've gone through over the last nine or 10 months um, off the back of the refresh strategy uh, in light of the external conditions actually provides a great platform for business going forward. So uh, we'll be uh, cash flow break even uh, in the next couple of months. And, uh, you know, that really does change the game for us. And, uh, you know, we have our losses well under control uh, despite the external environment. So we actually have levers to actually start to turn up the growth as well uh, off the back of this reset. So I'm very bullish about the future. Okay, let's unpack a couple of things there. So the strategic view um, is that you've got to narrow the footprint of the business, which is vastly different to, to where you've been. So obviously that implies that uh, you, you're going to have things under control, but trying to shrink a business is not without its challenges. Is there any chance that the costs can sort of get away from you on that front? Yeah, as you called out, we have been undertaking a strategic review for our, all our non-core businesses, and largely that uh, refers to our global footprint. So we had been uh, operating with a presence in about 14 markets. Uh, as a result of the review, we'll pair that down to four. Uh, so that's a big that, change, that's, right? that's a big change. So that will uh, largely leave our, our ANZ business and our US business uh, to drive growth and profit. Uh, in terms of the process, it's, it's probably taken a little bit longer than we had anticipated. But uh, I think directly to the question, uh, there will be significant cash inflows as a result of that process. Uh, there are costs to shut down a business, but in some of those jurisdictions, we actually have capital invested in the, the debt funding vehicles, which actually flow back to the business as part of a wind down. Yeah. Tell me, you know, the losses that um, are still sort of a feature of the business. Um, to the average investor, you'd be looking at the result for the last half. I, I know, you know, there are any number of things in improving, but given the risks that the consumer, for example, um, faces at the moment, you know, in Australia, there's not a day that, you know, there are kids down at the beach that know about the mortgage cliff. You know, when you and I were growing up, it wouldn't yeah. have been interested in that sort of stuff. So, you know, the consumer, um, how, how confident are you that they are going to be able to carry you through this challenging period? Yeah, I think in terms of the result that we released yesterday to you know the shareholders should be looking very closely at the core cash EBITDA loss, which was a significant improvement to $33 million. That's a, a better result um, by $27 million on the previous period. And more importantly, uh, for, for the second uh, quarter of uh, the last half, the loss was only $1.4 million. So we're in a really good position with regards to having uh, you know, the cash EBITDA profile moving in the right direction. Uh, we did deliver very strong revenue growth, um, up 20% over the prior period. And uh, more importantly, the revenue margin had actually increased. So I think to the, to the question, our losses are well under control. And uh, during a, a time of external challenge, we will actually become more meaningful to our consumers. So to, to the, uh, the point about the consumers carrying us through, you know, they continue to, to utilize services like ours to budget and maintain the lifestyle that they want. 
um, you know, in a rising cost environment. So arguably, we actually become more meaningful to consumers. I think uh, some of the consolidation in a market like Australia also provides a great opportunity for Zip to actually increase its market share. So in terms of what are you seeing in the Australian market as opposed to the US market? Um, it's obviously a more sophisticated uh, environment and consumers there are far um, more responsive to the external um, you know, interest rate environment, wage pressures, all that sort of thing. Are you seeing any difference between the US and uh, Australian consumer? Yeah, they're pretty different. Um, also for BNPL, given the uh, level of maturity in each of the markets. So, so in a market like Australia, we have uh, you know two and a half million odd customers. We also have an account-based concept, which really does support um, spending in both discretionary and everyday spend categories. So we're sort of well positioned to continue to provide you know huge budgeting benefit to our customers. In terms of spending mix, we haven't really seen a huge shift. Um, we do have a, a great presence on uh, you know. Uh, merchant partners like JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman who are probably winning market share in, in a sort of shift in that retail lens. So um, the discretionary spend, um, while it might be you know declining in, in the broader retail, um, at you know the, the bigger guys, it's actually they're increasing share. So you know we haven't seen much much shift. The US is a little bit different. It's earlier stages in terms of that market maturity. It's largely a discretionary spend BNPL. Uh, marketplace for now. Obviously, as the, the market matures, uh, the product differentiation will allow penetration in other verticals. So we're still able to grow. Uh, we have trimmed uh, our FICO score cutoffs in light of the deterioration in the external environment. You can clearly see the benefits of that in our loss results. So it hasn't uh, impacted spending too much because we're still, uh, sorry, our, our sales numbers because we're still actually growing in a, in a less mature market. The US is such a competitive market and it's such a big, obviously, geographical territory. How do you um, deploy the resources to make sure that you're, you're front of mind for consumers when they can have so many other providers at their disposal in terms of um, choosing them? I know yeah. it's a, a pointed question. Yeah, I think that's the excitement of the opportunity. And, uh, you know, BNPL spend in, in uh, the US is very early stages. Um, arguably, it will be increased five times over in the next five years uh, into the, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. So I think to the question, obviously, it's a competitive landscape. There's four or five um, large players who uh, are, are all growing at, at, at reasonably similar sorts of rates. And I think that's where your merchant relationships are actually critical to the business model. So having a a presence on a, a website like Best Buy, who had, does $15 billion of online transaction volume, which is as big as any retailer in Australia, and that's just their online component, becomes a critical piece of the business model. So you, you, you deliver uh, implied trust f from that relationship, having a presence on their website, you're acquiring customers uh, from, from those sorts of relationships. So that's critical to the business model in terms of how you scale. Uh, it's very early stages in terms of that market maturity that I touched on, there's actually no product differentiation. So in the Australian market, which is more mature, there's different uh, product constructs which allow different utilisation. That will be an asset of the Zip business, uh, you know, going forward to, to sort of differentiate from some of the other service providers as well. So I suppose, you know, and I don't mean to be disrespectful by invoking a, a competitor, but when you look at the way that Afterpay was able to engineer you know, their entry into the market, the way they've now become a part of a much larger US organisation, um, and now you're kind of left with a, do you feel like it's a street fight now um, to be able to, you know, make a, 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 um, a realisation of the bigger picture compared to where you were a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think the competition between ourselves and Afterpay uh, in, in Australia over the last four or five years was a good thing for both of us. It certainly 
uh, drove the category and uh, increased the, the penetration. And I think over time, uh, the competitive landscape in the US will deliver the same outcomes. So competition actually makes the pie bigger. Um, we're quite a different business to them. We've approached our, our task with providing credit quite differently to them. Obviously, they've, they've done pretty well. Um, you know, we, we still have uh, you know huge ambitions that uh, you know we, we can be as big as as, as they are, and uh, certainly in Australia, we've made huge strides in catching them up over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, and uh, similarly in the US, um, you know, the, the size of the pie is, is so big that you'll actually see multiple providers being very successful in the same way that uh, historically you've seen multiple credit card providers, um, you know, writing huge business. So, yeah, as I touched on before. This is going to be a challenging period for anyone that relies on, on the consumer. To people who are meditating over, you know, the rate of cash burn uh, and your liquidity position, your general capital structure, uh, what do you say to try and reassure those concerns? Yeah, so there's a few limbs to that. Obviously, we really have uh, improved the cash EBITDA number. As I touched on, uh, $1.5 million loss in the last quarter. Um, we, we're sort of um, forecasting a 50% improvement on our cash EBITDA number uh, for the next half. So we really have that uh, metric under control with regards to the burn. I think in terms of a, a rising interest uh, rate environment, if you sort of looked at our, our unit economics, uh, despite the rising cost on the, the interest side, we have increased our, our revenue margin, we have decreased our losses. And what that's meant is we've actually increased our net transaction margin to two and a half percent, despite uh, you know the significant rise in interest. So we have a number of levers at our disposal to sort of navigate our way through rising costs and uh, as we touched on before you know we, we believe will be more meaningful to consumers during this period so we're really well placed um, in terms of the resilience of the business model I wish you all the best Peter it's an uh, interesting time in the BNPL yeah. space that's probably understating a little bit but uh, it's always great to um, speak to you thanks very much for your time pleasure thanks for having me and thanks very much for joining us for the executive series